And I get emails about these types of struggles all the time. Parents wanting to know how to navigate these situations to help their child navigate them as well, because we can't always be around. Because it's very unlikely that any child will get through childhood without having to deal with some level of bullying. But it's very, very common. Almost every child deals with it at one point in another. So it's really good to be prepared and know what to do. So first, I want to talk about this, about bullying, so that you know exactly what it is so you know how to handle it. Because bullying has three pieces to it that make it bullying. It's intentional. It is purposeful. It's repeated. And there's some kind of a power dynamic. So if it's something that happens once, it's just a kid being mean. If a child hurts another child's feelings once or more than once, but it was unintentional. They grabbed a toy they wanted. Um, They said, you can't be my friend because they're upset at the moment. They're responding to hurt feelings. This isn't bullying. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50 plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So today I'm going to talk about some deep stuff. I'm going to share some of my heartbreaks and triumphs and hopefully in a very relatable way to help guide you on your journey, to help you connect with the understanding of the beauty and strengths that you bring to your kids every day, the ways that it's helping them grow into their most amazing selves, even if you sometimes may be feeling at a loss or like you're being ineffective. Our heartbreaks revolve around feeling powerless to help our kids with their bigger challenges. Sometimes this can lead to us having a bigger reaction than we would like, which either causes the heartbreak or it adds to it. Now, these challenges include two categories. 
challenges our kids have with managing really big feelings that we want to fix for them or help them work through faster. These are often the first category and experience we have when our kids are younger, when they're toddlers. The second category, although the first really does spill over into this one, is where our children have to deal with the reality of the world, with their peers, with school, with sports, where we have even less control. Other kids excluding our kids, our child struggling with the teacher, when they lose out on a part they really wanted in that play, or their team lost the game, watching our kids struggle and feeling powerless can be so heartbreaking as a parent. But what I've learned is that there is so much to be mined from these experiences, and we can create something really positive and sometimes even really beautiful from every one of them. So the first thing I want to share about this is to bring an understanding that these heartbreaking experiences are a part of the parenting journey. There is just no way around them. Something, and likely several somethings, will surprise you along the way. But when you experience a feeling of heartbreak around something your child is going through, about feeling powerless or ineffective, know that it can empower you to learn and grow, and you and your child or children will come out the other side with more strength, resilience, and skills from whatever the experience is that you're dealing with. So I'm going to share some of my experiences with heartbreak as a parent, and then the lessons that I learned from them, the way myself and my children came out the other side stronger, so that you can learn from what we've been through. So my first heartbreaking moment as a parent was when my twins were maybe about six months old and my oldest would have just turned two. I was putting them down for a nap and I, well, naps, there are two of them, and I told my oldest Carter to please stay out of the room so I could have some quiet to put them down and that he could have my undivided attention for an hour after they were down for their naps. I was an exhausted grad student and a stay-at-home mom at the time. And of course, he comes in the room and he starts bopping around and not being quiet about it. He was being silly and he was just disturbing me and them. So I hissed at him to leave. He gets in my face as I'm rocking one of the babies and he starts talking really loudly. He's just testing the situation and I lost it. I yelled at him to get out. No, I didn't call him names. I didn't belittle at him. I just was really angry and I said, get out. Well, his little face crumpled and he started to cry and I felt awful. And I felt extra awful because my very first memory is of a traumatic exchange with my mom and I was less than two. And my biggest goal as a parent from day one was to always be a very different parent and therefore have very different dynamic with my kids, which than I had growing up, which also meant very different behaviors and reactions. And here I was facing a challenge with my toddler, and what did I do? I lost my patience and my cool, and I yelled at him. Oh, the guilt. But here's the great news. I learned from that experience. I knew I needed to gain knowledge and tools, and that was a pattern I would not carry forward. So today, my son has no recollection of that memory, thank goodness. At 14, he is a fantastic young man with whom I have a very strong connection and one that is slowly transitioning to one of not just parent-child, but a friendship. Even just today, we were at a, a tennis tournament, and it's with a bunch of high school kids, and he's going into high school, and it was his turn to go up, and um, he had made it to the semifinals, and so it was his turn to go up and play um, 
in the semifinals. And he texted me, are you coming? Because I was I was in the restroom. And the fact that he like wanted me there by his side to walk with him as he went to the courts said so much at 14 that he still wants his mom there with him and he wants my support. He also loves to run errands with me. We work out together. He gets a little annoyed when I try to correct his form while we're working out. But the positive lesson from this is that if we are brave enough to take a look at ourselves, believe that we can change, we can work on that. We can make the repair and create the new pattern that we had envisioned from the beginning. Now, remember, change doesn't happen overnight. And I talked about this a few episodes ago, so you might want to go back and listen to that one. Don't remember the number. I'm sorry. It's about three episodes back. This is a constant recommitment to assessing, learning, and trying again the next time. Over time, this practice towards something new will make the new pattern more second nature. It will be something that you start to go through to more and more, and then it will start to become your go-to habit altogether. But it will take some time, so have some grace with yourself. And as soon as you recognize it, whether it's during or after, you're going to stop yourself, you're going to practice the new habit, and pretty soon it's just going to take over and be the way that you start reacting. You're going to have a whole new way of behaving and reacting and acting in these situations. So the next time I came up against heartbreak was when we had a neighbor or a classmate. He was actually a swim teammate who was bullying my younger son, where the other child was just relentless. So, and this is our first experience with it. So the older brothers, my older son and the older brother of this child were friends. And so um, they would play together a lot. And the younger brothers always wanted to tag along. And this was fine for a little while, but also they were all on this community swim team together. And the practices were every morning and then they had Saturday morning meets. Now it got to this point where this younger brother started to pick on my son. Every chance the boy got, whether it was while they were lining up the swimmers for swim events at the swim meet, if it was in the pool during practice, if they were like kicking with the kickboards, he was in the next lane over, he would um, call my son names and pick on him. These were times where we couldn't be there to supervise. He would just try to tear my son down. So we already had to stop Chandler from going over to play when his older brother would go. I wasn't going to keep the older brother from playing because there really wasn't an issue. It was only the younger brother. It was an issue with the young, my younger son. So I wasn't going to stop them playing altogether, but it was unfortunate. I had to stop Chandler from going over and playing with this boy because he just wasn't very nice. So this was, that was hard. And I get emails about these types of struggles all the time. Parents wanting to know how to navigate these situations to help their child navigate them as well, because we can't always be around. Because it's very unlikely that any child will get through childhood without having to deal with some level of bullying. Like I said, my oldest, I think, has gotten through childhood without really dealing with any of it. But it's very, very common. Almost every child deals with it at one point in another. So it's really good to be prepared and know what to do. So first, I want to talk about this, about bullying, so that you know exactly what it is, so you know how to handle it. Because bullying has three pieces to it that make it bullying. It's intentional. It is purposeful. It's repeated. And there's some kind of a power dynamic. So if it's something that happens once, it's just a kid being mean. If a child hurts another child's feelings once, or more than once, but it was unintentional. They grabbed a toy they wanted. Um, they said, you can't be my friend because they're upset at the moment. They're responding to hurt feelings. This isn't bullying. But repeatedly, intentionally trying to cause upset or physical harm is bullying. Now, the other thing about this is that kids have to be of a particular age because even though it seems intentional, if children are four or five or under, they 
do not have their empathy on board. They really aren't aware that they are actually hurting another child's feelings. So at at earlier ages, it's really not considered bullying. It's considered a lack of social emotional awareness. Kids before these ages will do and say a lot of things with no intention for harm. What kids those ages know is they want what they want and they try to go after it without really understanding that their actions have a real effect on others. So bullying also can be social or physical. Social is the name calling, the belittling, the excluding, the intimidation. And then physical is obviously physical, um, trying to hurt someone physically, shoving, pushing, hitting, punching, biting, anything that's trying to physically hurt another child. In general, boys tend to experience and or engage in the physical bullying more often, and girls tend to engage in the social bullying more often. But in the experience we've had in our family, all of the bullying has been social in nature. We have had no physical bullying. Um, It's only been the social, the exclusion, the name calling, the belittling, that kind of thing. Okay, so how do we guide our kids in dealing with this behavior? So first, I want to start with how and when we step in, when we can be and are available during these incidences, when we're there in person. Then I'll talk about what to do when you can't be there in person, how you can support and advocate for your child when you cannot be there for them in person. Okay, when you can be there, you want to step in. The rule is this. If kids are just bickering and working through the rules of play, whose turn it is, um, how they're going to build this tower, that kind of thing, they're just trying to work through some stuff. You're going to sit back. You're going to listen and see how they're doing. If it starts to ratchet up, you want to get in there and help them resolve it before somebody starts throwing toys or um, something like that, or starts coming to blows like they start hitting each other. But if you hear kids are calling names, they're belittling, they're threatening, or they're getting physical, you want to step in immediately every single time. This can be with siblings, happens a lot between siblings, because those are really close relationships. Or friends on a play date, you want to step in. No matter whose house it is, yours or the guests, you are entitled to protect your child and teach and guide conflict resolution skills. Don't feel like you have to sit back because it's not your house. If you hear the children starting to ratchet up, if you hear that they're starting to hurt each other or call each other names, or somebody's starting to call someone else a name, you are absolutely um, of every right to step in and start helping them work through it. Now, and one of the things you want to do is you want to help your child set limits and walk away if the if the play that they're engaging in or the exchange isn't going away they like or it doesn't feel good. So just a side note, you can do a lot of this coaching outside of the social situations about what makes an exchange feel good or not so good. So you want to talk about what a good social exchange feels like, what a not so good social exchange feels like, what normal conflict resolution sounds like. You can disagree doesn't mean it's bullying, right? We can have a disagreement. We can disagree about the way that the rules of play are happening or if someone broke a rule or not. That's a disagreement. Maybe it doesn't feel great, but it doesn't feel icky, right? But then we can talk about what feels icky about an exchange. When someone starts calling us names, when someone starts threatening us, when someone starts saying, I don't like you or you're not my friend or, no, I wouldn't necessarily call that bullying, but, um, but it can start to move over into that after they, after those types of exchanges. But that doesn't feel so good regardless. Like you're not my friend anymore, right? Like instead of working through the conflict, you know, the kids are really struggling with that conflict resolution. And so they're just coming up with these things to say to kind of upset their friend. Now you want to 
Let your children share and discuss lots of different examples about when a disagreement is just a disagreement and when the exchange is turning ugly or even potentially dangerous, meaning the child starts picking up toys to throw or they're starting to kick at at their friend or their peer. Um, That starts to become potentially dangerous, right? And helping your child recognize like, this is not a good situation. This child is getting more angry, not less. And I need to get up and walk away and go get an adult for help or just go sit quietly um, with my parent if they're in the house or with the other child's parent or with a teacher and and get away from that child while they kind of work through those big feelings. Okay, so you're here and they're starting to ratchet up and you can hear some name calling or can hear... um, that it's starting to turn into something in the physical or social bullying. How do you step in? What do you say? So I would come in the room, if you aren't in the room already, if you're in the room already, great. And I would comment on the exchange as a whole, what you're noticing. It looks to me like things are getting a bit heated in here or things are getting a little bit out of hand in here. It sounds like you two or you all might need some help navigating this disagreement. And then we're going to let the children talk. You're going to share their view, their experiences, their desires, what it is they're trying to achieve. Then you can coach them through the exchange, help them find common ground and compromise that they all can agree to. You're just going to help walk them through this conflict resolution piece and how we compromise and come to a conclusion and work together to to come to an agreement. So you're going to walk them through that. Okay, what if you have a bully, like in our case, a true bully who every time or almost every time they see your child, whether it's on the playground or it's during um, a sporting event, if they're on your child's team or on a different team, um, they're out on the field playing soccer and they just, every time they get a chance, they're behaving just really meanly, kind of getting digs in on your child, being mean, making comments that hurt your child's feelings or meant to hurt your child, even meant to hurt your child's feelings, they'll find that they might start digging until they find what um, is bothersome to your child and just keep at it. And that can start to get very hurtful. So the first scenario I'm going to talk about is if you can be present, like at a sports practice or a game. The other is when you are not, like school, extracurricular, when you cannot be present, be there every moment. So I'm going to talk about that. And another scenario where... I experienced heartbreak as parents and where we can all experience heartbreak as parents right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com slash parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com slash parenting 
parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Okay, now that we're back, I'm going to discuss dealing with bullying. If you can be there physically to intervene, then do, just like I said before. You want to stick to your childlike glue. So you have a real bully who's picking on your child every chance they get. You're going to stick to your childlike glue. Bullies won't bully when there is an adult present. You also want to alert other adults if this is appropriate or a situation where you can. So like in our case, I alerted the swim coaches. And I ask them to not allow our kids to be in the same lane together or even in the lane right next to each other. I ask them to keep a close eye on this other child when he was around my child to make sure that, well, one, just kind of keep them separate, but two, to just really watch for him trying to take any opportunity. And, you know, and that's a bummer. And it really, I didn't want to do that because the coaches have their hands full. They shouldn't have to navigate that on top of everything else. But, you know, it was... They could decide if they wanted to allow this kid to stay on the swim team or not, and they did. So, you know, if you can speak to the other parent, then do so. Um, We did go this route as well. I did speak to the mom, and I said we were having a problem, and I would really appreciate it if she could talk to her son and work with her son. Really just felt right on deaf ears. She didn't ask me any questions. She didn't say she would talk to him. Um, And unfortunately, it just kept going. So... When it wasn't addressed by the family and it just kept happening, and then this child showed up at our house on my front doorstep asking to play with the very child that he had been bullying for weeks, I sat him down and had a stern conversation with him. Now, I didn't yell. I wasn't mean. I just was stern. And I told him I was not happy with him, and I asked him if he knew why. And at first, he just said no, but I pressed I said, I think you do. And he replied, because I've been mean to Chandler. So he knew. He knew what he was doing. And I let him know he needed to knock it off. I just said, we don't tolerate that. I need you to knock that off. This is not okay. And the bullying stopped after that. We then learned that he went on to bully another child at school that following school year. Um, One of the moms had shared that with me. 
also on the swim team the next the following summer. So he definitely started to develop a pattern of this. But that was my biggest concern at that time was like it was one thing to get through the swim season, but if it continued and they went back to school together, I was really concerned that my son would have had to deal with it indefinitely, that this child would have continued to bully him at school and on the playground when I couldn't be there. So I really needed to do everything I could to stop it in its tracks. So that is my advice is to do everything you can to stop it in its tracks with being very diplomatic with you know following and getting help and support from other adults as much as you can okay what if you can't be there and this is more often the case so in this case it's at school right it's um it's out of practice where you can't be with them all the time it's an after school activity where they go right from school or um they're inside a building and they're doing an activity like gymnastics and they're out on the floor and you can't be there. You want to pull out all the stops. Every child deserves to feel safe when they're at school, when they're doing activities that they love. They shouldn't have to deal with something that makes them uncomfortable and anxious and scared and nervous because they're not going to want to do it anymore. And then they're going to have an opportunity. They're going to lose an opportunity. They're going to lose an opportunity for their activities. They're going to struggle with school. They're going to be worried about being approached, whether it's during the school day in the classroom or out on the playground. They don't want to deal with that. So you want to meet with any adult in charge to discuss your concerns and ask them what the protocol is in such situations. Every school has a protocol. Schools are also required by law to keep kids safe while they're in their care. And that means emotionally and physically safe. Now, a lot of parents don't know this. And so a lot of times the adults, like their hands are full. I I get it. But um, they do kind of the minimal and they kind of hope it goes away, but it rarely, rarely does. So every school will have some type of bullying policy and protocol that they follow for bullying incidences. So there's usually like a first offense, a second offense. And so there is a protocol that they will follow. So the issue is that these policies aren't usually the most effective. They're often nothing more than a Band-Aid or a kick-the-can-down-the-road type of response, including things like moving the offending child to a different classroom. And this is often how it's handled, and then they go on to bully another child, which is unfortunate. But your job really is to protect your child. It's another parent's job to protect their child. Unfortunately, I mean, you can certainly stand up for every child if you want to, and I think it's great. But um, And hopefully your school has something more robust in place. Some schools do implement social-emotional learning curricula and or counseling for both the perpetrator and the victim. And this is the best case scenario. So when you have an SEL, social-emotional learning curricula, and especially when you have both of these, these are known to greatly reduce bullying in schools to almost zero because there's just such a great support system around it. It um, teaches kids all the skills that they need to deal with the struggles that they're having. So bullies often are not children who are not feeling very good about themselves inside. They're struggling with self-esteem on some level or another. And so until that really gets addressed and until they have the skills to learn to advocate for themselves, to learn to ask to get their needs met, to work on their self-esteem, bullying is just kind of their outlet. And so until that gets addressed, you know, just moving the kid to another classroom or having a talk about we don't we don't tolerate bullying in this school. And if it happens again, you know, you're going to you're going to um, have to stay after school or you're going to get suspended. They still haven't learned the skills. And so 
it's likely going to continue in one way or another. It just doesn't get to the root of the problem. So if your school has something that gets to the root of the problem, that is going to help greatly. And it will um, do a much better job at reducing bullying at the school. But the more you can advocate for your child, the sooner things will change. So I have had to let a school know that my child will not be returning to school. I will my child will be staying home until they can give me a plan about how they're going to manage the bullying. Because I said, right now, my child feels unsafe returning to school and he is not learning anything. And all he's doing is spending his day worrying about these bullies coming up behind him and making fun of him or saying mean things about him. So, you know, my job is to keep my child safe physically and emotionally. And if he's dealing with feeling unsafe at school, he isn't going to learn. So I'm just going to keep him home. And I have had to do that before. And then the third heartbreak that I've dealt with, and this is pretty recent, but it happens, you know, all throughout childhood. It's when our children deal with these big lessons and disappointment and injustice and heartbreaks of their own, we suffer right along with them. This might be something like they don't get the part in the play that they've been working really hard on. They don't get to join the sports team that they really wanted to join. They go for class president and they miss out on that. It's any of those times where they're really looking forward to something and it just doesn't happen for them. When they're younger, it could be really looking forward to a play date that gets canceled. These are the times when they deal with heartbreak and our heartbreaks for them. So we've dealt with a couple of situations in the past couple of weeks where my older son has had to deal with some real injustices. And that was some really big lessons. So I know I've talked about this before about my, my older son playing tennis. And um, if you're not a tennis person, I hope you can hang in there while I, I walk through this kind of scenario. It's just a really important lesson, no matter how, where it presents itself. So the thing about tennis is that kids are left to police themselves. And that's a really big ask. This is the only sport I have ever seen where children are left on their own to referee and police themselves while they are engaging in the sport. It is so foreign to me. Um, No other sport is it so easy to cheat. So, you know, my kids started out in swim. It is impossible unless your kids are doping. And I don't know any kids that would be doping. But, you know, there are um, sensors on the blocks where they jump off of. If they jump off too early, it triggers and they get disqualified. There are USA swimming officials all around the deck of that pool. They are watching every single child at both ends of the pool and in the middle to make sure they're doing the strokes properly, to make sure they are touching the ends of the pool. When they get to the other end, when they finish, they are touching a a digital pad under the water. And then there's also parents doing timers. So if they don't happen to hit the digital timer, there's parents doing timers. Like it is locked down, like impossible to cheat. Same thing with any other sport I've seen. You know, there's referees and there's umpires and there's all kinds of people, but there are no line judges and there are no scorekeepers in tennis. And kids are just out there doing these matches and they last about an hour all by themselves. And so my son came up against a kid um, that he they played two sets and each child won a set and then you go into a tiebreaker. Well, they were in the tiebreaker. Now, I didn't know that this is what happened until I heard him relay the story to his coach. All he said to me was he got in the car and he said, I should have won the tiebreaker 10-7. He said the kid made a couple of bad calls. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, that's a bummer. He said the ball was in like by a foot and a half and he called it out. So when we went and talked to his coach, he told the coach it was game point, or sorry, match point. And um, it was 
tiebreaker point, match point. So my son had nine and the other kid had seven. And it was on that point, that match point that the kid called the ball out. And then, um, so then it was nine, eight. And he's like, I figured I still had, and you know, I still was at game match point. So I didn't really think much about it. And then he did it again. And the next thing I know, we're at nine, nine. Well, what he was supposed to do was stop the game and go get the official to come watch the rest of the match. He didn't know that. And I didn't know that that was happening at the time. So in the end, this kid just wouldn't let him get a final point. And he just, in the end, ended up letting the kid win 10 to 12. So that was really a bummer. I was I was really struggling with it. Now, my son wasn't struggling with it so much, nearly as much as I was. You know, he's worked extremely hard to get where he is, and he deserved to win. And this kid just wasn't going to let it happen. So... Now, if he had been a much stronger player, then, you know, he would have won anyway. But he still, you know, every kid deserves a fair match, and he just wasn't getting it. And so that was upsetting, and it was the first time we'd run into that. And so I just had to deal with this heartbreak for him. Like, he deserved that win, and but I really struggled emotionally with it. And my son stepped up, and he said, it's okay, Mom. And I said, but it's not okay. Like, I was really upset. But what I learned in that moment, what my son was able to do, and this is where this triumph comes in, right? There, there was a heartbreak in the fact that he didn't get a fair match and he, he lost unfairly. But the triumph of this is that he was so emotionally intelligent that he said it doesn't matter. And what he meant was that he has much bigger goals and this one kid in this one match, in this one tournament who wasn't playing fairly wasn't going to get in the way of him reaching his goals in the long term. And it's just something he needed to let go and move on and learn the lesson and it was fine and he was fine with it. The lesson that I learned as a parent, and I think we all will learn as parents, when we raise our kids in this way where they are so empowered and so emotionally intelligent that they are going to handle these difficulties, these struggles, these challenges, these injustices of life really, really maturely. And when we see that, we know we have done the best job we could possibly do. And I was so proud of him. You will see your child surpass you in many ways as they grow up, whether it's in physical skill or it's in intellectual, in academic skill in some area or another, and even emotionally. And I got to tell you, it is the most beautiful thing and it, it will make you so unbelievably proud to know that you have raised this child to be a beacon in the world of hope, of justice, of fairness, of integrity. And these are the biggest triumphs of parenting. If you're looking for deeper guidance on these topics, like helping your kids deal with bullying, building resilience and a growth mindset, raising responsible kids, helping kids navigate social skills like conflict resolution, sharing, developing strong self-esteem, developing emotional intelligence, the Parenting Beyond Discipline app is up on the Apple Store and the Google Play Store with classes divided by age and topic, or you can go to the website at yourvillageonline.com with over 60 parenting classes on demand. Thanks for listening and see you next week. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.